julle, in case julle nie geweet het waar julle is nie, julle is nou by Tunes Live, dis waar julle ingeskakel het. Ek het so mal oomlik gehad in die week waar ek soos my phone uit my sak het gehaal het en toe eeuwenskielik is daar die The Tizers episode bezig om te speel. Ek weet nie van waar af dit gekom het, nie die phone was nog gelak. Ek denk het het miskien gekom omdat ek een Soundloud link gekopie het en dit iwers gepost het op social media van die episode. Maar dit is, ja, dit is my super strange gewees. Net jy wiskielik hier praat my eie stem met my, met my phone uit. In elk geval, hier praat my stem nou met jylle. Welkom by die negende episode van Tunes Live. Tunes Live is een reeks geselsies wat ek vir jylle gaan soek en bou um, dierom met plaaslike muzikante en plaaslike muziekindustrie rolspelers te gesels. En uh, tykie terug was ek by Endless Days Festival geweest. En Endless Days Festival, vir die van julle wat nie weet nie, is een psych rock festival. Um, dit is nie net een psych rock festival nie, maar oorwegend een psych rock festival. Het word gehou by Silverstroom Resort, na by Melkbos, as ek het nie verkeerd het nie. As iemand luister en julle het geografische updates, stuur my gerisse rechtsteller. Um, En, en hierdie festival is baie cool, want wat dit cool maak is, dit is, um, is uh, daar is een minimum hoeveelheid mense wat ka, of kan gaan, of, of was actually een cap op die hoeveelheid mense wat kan gaan soen toe. So hulle hou dit uh, redelijk klein, um, well, actually ek is nie seker of daar, of 100% seker van my feite oor die cap nie, maar ja, hulle is definitief intended om het klein te hou, en dit maak het baie nice, want as jy uh, die hard uh, Suid-Afrikaanse muziek, festival liefhebber is, dan sal jy weet dat die klein festivals is die lekker festivals. Die festivals waaraan net genoeg mense is om een lekker party te maak, maar dis nie een vertrapping by die stoorte en jy weet, alles is feil en dis een gemors. En dis een baie nekiese, baie nice arts en music en boutique festival. Hierdie Endless Days festival, daar speel bands, uh, hierdie jare daar bands gespeel, soos Medicine Boy, Dangerfield, um, The Tazers, Runaway Nuns, Hezron um, Chetty and the Zwak Song, his, um, as ek die naam recht uitspreek. So ja, daar is redige ietsie vir amal wat, wat rock aanbetref, baie nice festival, ek kan julle ten sterkste aanbeveel om volgende jaar kaarkies te koop na hierdie festival toe, die kaarkies is ook glad nie dier nie, um, ek denk die dierste kaarkies hierdie jaar was in die omgeving van 700 rand, 650 rand, um, dalk 750, dis die dierste kaarkies gewees, um, so rarig een winskopie vir die hele nawekse muziek gaan, gaan luister en partijkie hou en kamp wat jy daarmee saam krij. En die koos vir hierdie festival, moet ek sê, was vir my rarig ongelooflik gewees. Um, rarig, rarig baie lekker. So, tune in op baie festivalse se stasie, vergeerlik gesproke. Ok, maar nou is jylle eers ingetune hier op Tunes Live, so... Uh, Jullie weten nou wat Tunes Live is. Tunes Studio is een rehearsal space in Stellenbosch wat muziek verwante dienste biedt. So is rehearsal space recording, live sound, retail van muziekproducten, zowel als local CD's. Um, en ook muzieklesse in die vorm van Notes Music School. Muziek school kie wat daar binnen die Stellenbosch Paul Bathner geran word. Um, en eerstdaags, Baie exciting, gaan Tunes website hee, vir die eerste keer, dit het my verskrikkelijk lang gevat, om daarby uit te kom, maar, um, 
die lekker ding is nou met die podcast, is daar rede vir mense om te gaan naar die website toe. So, jylle sal nou hierdie podcast episodes ook kan kry op die website. Um, so, dit is baie lekker, want dit is nog baie ongerieflik op die oomlik vir die feit dat het op, dat het op Soundcloud is, en Soundcloud haal van die episodes af, en die mense, ja, dan dan sien die mens, hier is episode 8, maar waar is die vorige 6, of die vorige 7? Um, so ja, dit is, dit is iets om nou uit te kyk, dit gaan binnenkort, gaan die website opwees, ek sê hulle definitief laat weet as dit op is, maar um, ja, wie is vandag, wie is ons, uh, um, nou kan ek hier die rechte woord krijgen. wie is op die show vandag, kom ons sê net hier so, Lucas Swart. Lucas Swart speel vir die band Dangerfield, en hy doen gitaar en sing, en hy was ook in die hele paar ander bands, hy het drumme gespeel vir Pretty Blue Guns, Basson Loopscher, hy, hy het ook gitaar gespeel in Lua Union, hy is een baie actieve muzikant, en sy pa is Vernon Swart, en ons gesels ook in, in die episode oor hulle verhouding, en sy pa wat vir hom uh, artwork gemaakt het vir hulle twee EP's, Dangerfield'se EP's, Ashes en Embers, um, gaan vind dit gerust, dit is op Bandcamp en iTunes en allerlei platforms, so gaan luister bykie na hulle muziek, um, jylle sal bykie meer ook in die interview hoor, oor min of meer hoe klink Dangerfield, en ook aan die begin en die einde van die episode sal jylle een stikkie van die muziek hoor. Um, ons gesels bykie oor plate, ons gesels oor oor seese interviews, ons gesels oor om oor see te wil gaan speel, ons gesels oor Lucas wat baie siek geword het aan die begin van hierdie jaar, um, en hoe mens daarmee deel, en goed is wat van ander in jou leven. Um, ons gesels ook oor, het ek, ja, ons gesels oor LP's, en ach net een klomp, lekker muziekverwante dinge, um, dis een lekker gesprek hierdie, Lucas was op sy stikke, hy was beslis lus vir praat gewees, en hy het een paar uh, geldige en baie interessante stories en punte om te maak. Voordat ek julle ingooi in hierdie interview in, moet ons net eers dank uitspreek aan die EMDC Stellies. Hulle is een collectief wat wekeliks by mekaar kom om muziekonderwerpe te bespreek, soos onder andere album, genre en kunstenaars. En dikwils doen hulle ook quiz en movie nights. Vergaderings is gratis en geen instrumentale vermoe of kennis van die betrokken onderwerp is nodig om by te woon nie. Vind gerust meer uit oor die EMDC stellies, dier om hulle friend request op Facebook te stuur. Lekker, kom ons luister wat Lucas te sê het. actually one of the first guys that came into tunes and booked a rehearsal do you know that really no I don't yeah know that. john middlefinger was one of the first guys to actually play there but um he he kind of connected me before tunes tunes's doors was even open he was so amped about it he he really did a lot like in bringing people to tunes and like yeah just he, he basically paid the, the place's rent the first few months just oh. jamming like with a whole different bunch of people but yeah, like then you you were the second person that rocked up there and like basically 
well, basically the first person that actually booked that came in there and like chatted. And you you still booked a rehearsal with with Lua, Lua Union. Uh, you guys had a Bohemia gig. It was somewhere around March and was in 2010. Okay, Is that yeah. can you can you recall anything about that time? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I remember. I mean, we were still playing, doing pretty big gun shows quite a bit. And I had just started um, Lua Union with my friend Dean and Jonathan and um, Francois from Swimming New Girls. Yes. And yeah, I think we had, we had rehearsed a couple of times at that point in Francois' parents' living room. And then it just wasn't working to do that. Like, cause obviously, like, so that was the start. That was the first rehearsal spot. Okay. And then we, yeah, so we were rehearsing in the, yeah, in the parents' living room. And then we eventually just decided to actually just, like, we were rehearsing quite often. I think his parents were getting annoyed with all the noise. And yeah. So then we, we actually heard about you guys. And then. Where yeah. did you hear about tunes? I can't remember now, man. Is it? Yeah, I, I feel like I just knew about it. Like, well, well, the scene is so small, dude. I mean, like, it's the the chances that you just hear about like randomly is is, is very good. Yeah. Everyone talks and like, I mean, with Stellenbosch, but the, that's also another thing. Like, the scene was quite thriving back then in Stellenbosch. You didn't. Well, how do you feel? Do you feel it's still that thriving? Do you feel there's something missing? Honestly, I, I'm a little bit out of touch with Stellenbosch's scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I moved out of Stellenbosch um, six years ago now, mm. so five, five, six years ago. Um, it, it kind of feels to me like it's not really happening anymore at yeah. the moment. Um, like, yeah, I mean, uh, when we were there, there was, there was a couple of bands that played there, and then there was the whole MK thing, which I guess that wasn't really a Stellenbosch thing, but like, th there was generally a university music culture yeah happening at that time it was more of a thing yeah and, and um yeah but you think mk played a role in that yeah i definitely think so they, they played with the a role. aventure and yeah the yeah. aventure and um the stuff that they did yeah. I, I feel like they put on university events featuring bands yeah so they, they did a lot for the awareness of local music um for university students, you know, yeah. like, um, and I mean, they made they they caused us to play shows with bands like Stratoskandits and. What was your first aventure? Um, 2008. Oh shit! That's like one of the first. No, that started in 2006, right? Yeah, it was the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, there was. I'm um, sorry, uh, Pora was on Vat of, of, with Willem Valsain. Yes. So it was quite in, it's interesting checking all that stories and his perception of it in a in an organizer point of view and just like getting everybody to, to to climb in the bus and just be wherever they need to be. Yeah, know? that was that was such a cool time. I mean, I, like I don't know if it worked if it would would work the same now. But yeah. It's kind of for that time it was a really cool thing. I mean, like I said, we hung out with bands that we normally would never play with, and kind of kind of learned a lot about the fact that um, you can get along with other bands even if you don't like their music. Yes, you know? yes, and you can actually play together with them and you can actually form a, uh, whatever you want to call it, but form a few bands that work together and, and, yeah. and swap shows in between the circle, like, hey, come play this show, you know. Completely, yeah. Yes. That's one thing, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, I feel like when I was, before that, I used to assume that bands that made music that I don't like, that I wouldn't get along with them in person. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Not, 
That tour changed like completely. I mean, like we were hanging out with guys whose music we, we hated a lot. Yeah, music, really. that's very <laughs> shit. And vice versa, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but you you play drums and guitar. Uh, as far as I don't, do you play any other instruments well, besides are, singing? Um, those are my main ones. Yeah. Uh, I do play a bit of piano. Like I've, I'm doing a bit of synth now in Dangerfield as well. Cool. Um, and I've done other odds and ends. When I was younger, I played some recorder and flute. Okay. Uh, I got a banjo. It's like yeah, mostly guitar and drums. Yeah, but um, what was interesting for me is that you you play played drums and guitar for quite a few bands. There was Lua Union. There was more recent, well, the Very Wicked, Pretty Brit Guns. Also, um, you, you played with Basson. You played mm. well. My point is, there was quite a lot of drumming gigs back in the day for you. You played uh, you played more drums back in the day than you yeah. do now. So, do you still ever play drums? I do play drums sometimes now, just just to just to keep kind of in practice. But, yeah. But not not nearly enough. Yeah. Okay, now when I play, it's usually on on Dangerfield's drummers drum kit. I'll play a little bit in between. Obviously, because you don't have a place to play drums. That's, yeah, I don't. That's the main yeah. thing. I mean, drummers are um, very much in in need. Like, I mean, in Cape Town, there's a shortage of drummers. Like, yep. Most drummers play for a couple of bands. Mm. Um, because of the fact that I think everyone lives in flats and people yeah. don't have access to drum kits. And, and if you're the guy that really got good in, in a certain amount of time, then you've got the, the, the card in hand because now you can give yourself out as a session player. That's exactly where guys right. like Wagner and, and those people come in. Of course, so Wagner, I mean, Wagner is like the busiest guy I know. And yeah. He's, he's a really good drummer and he play, he's always in studio. And he's, he's always, always he, he actually was, he, he's still doing an interview with me today, but then he turned me, shit, dude, I actually just got a late, last minute studio job. I can't make the time anymore. Can we shift yeah. it? You know? So yeah, he's a he serious, yeah. serious busy musician. Um, yeah, but, and also, do, do, you, do, you, do you miss playing drums? Sometimes I do miss playing drums. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very different feeling. Mm. Um, I always think that one day when I can, when I've got the space and I've, you know, everything, I'll get my drum kit, I'll sort it out a bit and then yeah. I can actually play a bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do miss it sometimes. It, it, like I said, it's different. Yeah. And, and what, what don't you miss of playing drums in a band? I don't miss carrying all the gear around. I mean, <laughs> That's yeah. a bitch. That's the yeah, worst. That's definitely the worst of drums. I mean, when you yeah, when you've got to like carry whole drum kits up multiple staircases and all exactly. of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And cymbal stands. Yeah, and cymbal stands. Yeah. <laughs> not into that anymore. Yeah, no. Being the last guy that's still busy taking your stuff down, the rest of the band's already partying. And and if you and mm. if you're single, all the chicks are gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I used to get a bit of help from them carrying stuff. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> awesome. So, so you mean you can actually score chicks like that? <laughs> yeah, you can. Actually. <laughs> um, dude, do you do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about the breakup of Lua Union and why that why that happened? Uh, yeah, sure, I don't mind. I mean, yeah, uh, the, there's not really much to it. Like basically, um, the main I, I guess we just everybody kind of moved apart. Because you, know? you like, guys got serious. Like you, I remember. Sorry to interrupt, but I remember the last thing of of Lua Union. Like you guys started getting really serious gigs. Your album was out. Like I was, I was checking out the band. And I was like, fuck, this band is really gonna go places. Like this shit is happening now. Yeah, you like, didn't have the feeling. Or? I think I think what happened there was everybody started focusing on different things. Like as it is with most bands. I mean, yeah. the, main, the main thing that happened, I guess, was that 
in 2012 we gave it a bit of a go again like we did some more gigs and stuff yeah. then um, with a new drummer as well that's when David was playing with us yes and then you know, it, was, it was going fairly well but it, it was also it had its difficulties and that I mean everybody had other stuff that they were doing other bands were playing mm. in the jobs and stuff and then Dean moved to well he went to New Zealand for an extended period of time basically mm. like he a girl that he was um, that he was well that he's still seeing mm. Um, luckily <laughs> yeah luckily so I mean it was all for a good cause yeah he moved over there to follow a goal and okay. they're, they're still together so well, that happens <laughs> it worked out. I mean they came back and then they started the business together now they're okay. in Canada um, Shit, I mean okay. they've done yeah so that, that's I guess that's the main thing I mean I was always doing other stuff as well with pretty big yeah. guns and by that point I'd already started the very wicked with Andre and everything okay because so, I remember you guys started very wicked end of 2011 you still had a jam session book at tunes and yeah. that was kind of the last uh, but besides when when uh, PVG was doing a Peru Guns was doing a reunion, but but besides that, it was kind of the last time you and Andre were, were jamming at tunes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, End of very, an era. Yeah, the very first time we were still conceptualizing, we didn't even know that it was going to be. Yeah. Like I remember him telling me that he wants it to be a psych rock band. I was in tunes. At yes, yes. Because I asked him, what what do you have in mind? Yeah. At that point, we didn't actually, we hadn't even decided that yet. We just jammed random stuff. Hectic. Okay, well, that's, that's super interesting. I think I played drums, actually, in that jam. Yeah. I, I also played a beat or two. <laughs> there mm. was a stage that yeah. I vaguely remember cool. for a little while. Um, another thing that I think people get wrong, and this leads me to the next question, is you, your dad is, is Vernon Swart, and yeah. he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a really good artist. Um, and he also played drums in the Valiant Swart band. Now, now people would think that because of that you've got an head start to other people in the music scene, but obviously that's not true. You obviously had, you had to work your way up um, just like other people. I mean, there might be little things that, that you might have better, like more advice and, and stuff like that, but it's, it's not gonna, it, it doesn't mean if, if your dad's connected in a scene that you're gonna be connected and that stuff's gonna happen for you. So like, um, yeah, I don't know, do you, can, you, can you analyze that, that thing a bit more because people think that that's the way. You kind of, yo, but that oak, he got that right with his band because his dad is, is somebody, you know. I, yeah, I don't know. I actually, I think the, the scene is, so, is, is so, such a small thing that um, it, it does help in some way that I did know some people, but it's yeah. kind of the people that I met through my dad is a completely different spectrum of people, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the Afrikaans music scene yeah. with Valiant Swart and Karen Zoid and, and for, like Foko Police Car, those people, I met them, I grew up around those people. And Skulky so, Bad and, and, and those you know, guys, known, yeah. So sure, in terms of advice and in terms of, like I've had like guitar lessons from a few different people like that, like yeah. Skulk used to teach me stuff. Amazing. Like, Albert Frost I used to jam with when I was like 10, Shit. whatever, like a lot of those yes. guys I jammed with, which definitely helped in terms of skill, but in terms of actually of getting gigs and getting yeah. anywhere really i don't think it actually really made that much difference. Yeah. like it helped like i said it helped in terms of advice yeah but my scene and the and the people that i play gigs with and for are like totally different they didn't even they didn't even really understand your scene like if i, if I can actually yeah like i when i was younger when i was in high school i actually thought that when i was older that my connections with my dad would actually make a difference if yeah. i'm making music but it actually honestly if anything, my dad's 
connections and his friends, the people in Opikopi and in all those places. I tried to use those connections. I would tell him, hey, look, I'm so-and-so. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm Vernon's son. Yeah. This is my band, whatever. If anything, I think they took me less seriously. <laughs> Like, they didn't give a shit about that. They're like, oh, cool, yeah, Vernon, he's our bra. Like, he's yeah, like, yeah, dude. yeah. But, you know, you have to prove your own yep. thing. So it didn't actually work yeah. that way at all for me. I mean, uh, the first Opikopi Pretty Big Guns got booked at. Mm-hmm. We didn't even get paid, and we played it. Oh, we, like, played late at night, but it was like, we, they didn't pay us anything. What did you play? Top bar? Uh, no, we played the James Phillips. Oh, lacquer. But it was um, the Easter copies. It wasn't like the biggest. Oh, I check. And we played it, I think, eleven or twelve at night. So it was really cool. Yeah. But it was kind of a, in a way, it was a graveyard shift. Yeah. I think because we played after a king. Yeah. And um, and yeah, like I said, they didn't they didn't pay us. So it was a very expensive mission for us to do that. That I can very much relate to it because I'm just coming back from copy, also being played there, and yeah, mate. Well, we got paid, luckily, but yeah. not enough to cover, you know, I mean, in the everything. meantime, the bands that I've, I mean, a couple of people I've played with have played at Wapikopi again, and it's been better, and all of that stuff, but it's, it's very much, I feel like everything I've done in, in the bands that I've been in, mm. very much, like, that we've we've made our own way. You know? Yeah, we've, yeah. When I mean, we've been playing for years and years, we played all the shitty gigs, we played all the, all the high school for gigs. For sure, yeah. We played in, you know in restaurants while people ate their pizza yeah. like, you know we did everything to get to anything and even now like we're you know we're not like flipping yeah. massive but yeah. like I think whatever gigs we do get now we've definitely earned them yes yeah, you, you've earned your stripes yeah. other interesting thing for me is that I just thought about you guys playing that Opikopi slot how old are you guys then about 21 22 around there I was 19 19 even younger so how yeah. the fuck I was 19 Andre was I think he had just turned 18 or something. So how the fuck did you guys manage to actually stay sober until 11 o'clock? Well, what happened was we left at 4 o'clock in the morning to drive there. Yeah. From Stellenbosch. It was a, yeah. So we didn't have a chance to drink yet because we drove the whole day. Yeah, you're super tired. We arrived at 10 o'clock at night and then we didn't even have a chance to pitch our tent. So we had to go straight to the stage and go So we pitched my tent at like 5 o'clock the next morning after partying. Yes. Um... Oh. Hectic, but that must have been an awesome experience that you'll never forget. I can just imagine. Oh, wow. definitely not. Uh, yes, like, if I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, the rest of that whole tour was a like, crazy experience. Yeah, where, where did you guys play the rest of that tour? The next night, well, the next day we went and got lost in like Yelbrow and all over Joburg. Hectic. We didn't know yet that you needed to have a GPS if you drive around Joburg. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we ended up, yeah, we ended up playing at. A uh, place called Back to Basics. Oh yes, Marvel. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Now I think it's called the Bohemian or something. Yeah, it was when I last checked. Yeah. Um, but then we had a misunderstanding because we thought that Porter had organised us accommodation. Oh shit. But he he didn't. <laughs> so we didn't have a place classic to stay. Classic story. Classic music story. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up sleeping like basically the band that opened for us. I can't remember the name now, but their manager was a guy called Leon who. He used to play drums for Boo. Oh, yes. And he now, well, at that point, he was running a company called... Princess Leon. Leone. Yeah, yeah, and he was running a company called Southern Pulse. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, so in, in the end, Leon basically came to the rescue, and he gave us, he let us sleep in his office. What? The Southern Pulse office. Crazy. 
But he wasn't happy about it. I mean, yeah. He was like, why must this, Why is this my problem? Like, he didn't even know us. Yeah, he hey, was like the manager of the other band. This club snort copper, just looking for a But so, anyway, yeah, then Shit. we slept there, and the next day we had to get out early because it was an office, you know. Hey, and the car kept breaking down all over Joburg. And, uh, classic, uh, classic was, tour trivia. But that wasn't it, though, because then when we on the way back, yeah. the car broke down properly in Bloemfontein. Oh, shit. And literally, like, and it was at night. Yeah. So we ended up sleeping, like, in a backpacker's called Naval Hill Backpackers, yeah. which was, like, the scariest place I've ever been. And the owner was, like, very rude to us. And I got food poisoning, and I Shit. thought I was going to die, and the whole thing, oh, no, it was... Epic. That, too, was a whole other thing. <laughs> um, you... Were you ever considering at a stage, now that we talked about connections and stuff, were you ever considering at a stage to pursue a music career professionally? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to do that for a long time. Yeah. Um, I even went and studied music for, for a year. So yeah, yeah, but we'll get to that now. <laughs> yeah. um, when I was yeah, growing up, obviously, also because of being around my dad and all those musicians, yeah. I it made me I was very much um, intrigued with that lifestyle and I wanted to do it for a living and, and then obviously when I got a bit older and finished school I started trying to do that I, I would say for a few years I did until I was about 22 I, I saw music as my main profession mm. or 23 maybe um, and, I, and in many ways I still do in, in a sense that it's my it's the one thing I always have to do, and always yeah. it's my main thing that I do. Can't go without it. But I realized in my early twenties that I was actually not enjoying it as much as I if, as I wanted to, because there was a lot of pressure I was putting on making money from it. You know what I mean? Then it yeah. becomes this thing where every time you play a gig, you're somebody asks you, "Hey man, do you want to play this gig? I can give you this much," and then you kind of like. Uh, it's not really enough. I need yeah. this much because I've got to pay my like cell phone bill or whatever. But actually, you do want to play that gig because it's, an, ex play, it's yeah. an experience. There's that, and then there's also you when it comes to writing music. You want to write music that you really enjoy. You want to think about is the radio going to want to play it? Or yeah. Is the TV going to? You know, are people going to buy it? Yeah. All of that shit, like that worries you when you when you're doing it for a living. And then yeah. I realized that. What I would rather, you know, like as I do now, I have a job as well, and I still make a lot of music, but I enjoy the music I make so much more because I do it, I do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And ironically, I feel like people actually like it more because mm. it's genuine, you know. Mm. Definitely. Um, no, that's a that's a very uh, important point you're making there. Um, what, what, so talking of doing music professionally, what do you do for a living these days? I work in well, in IT basically. I work with a company that builds um, software like apps and stuff yeah. for new companies for new startups you know what I mean so yeah, for, for okay. a lot of, it's basically a lot of different entrepreneurs that are starting businesses all the time at the moment mm. trying to be the next um, Uber or the next um, Airbnb or whatever yeah um, they've all got some idea and but they, they can't afford to actually hire their own developers and pay them full time. Yeah. Know? So they they rather come to us with a budget of however much, and they tell us we've got this much, and we want to do this, and then we help them try and make it happen with what they have. Okay. So that's yeah. That's what I, I work as a project manager, and that's yeah. So I just basically I don't do any actual coding and stuff. I'm not that technical. But I um, 
I deal with the clients. I speak to them. I help them kind of figure out what they want. Okay. So mostly just communication. Yeah. Like dealing with people. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Which is something that I like doing as well. Yes. Anyway, yeah. So. No. You're definitely a, a sociable character like that. Oh. And uh, yeah, definitely some awesome people skills as well. So I definitely think you Thanks, fit for the job. Um, <laughs> why did you stop your music degree that you that you were uh, speaking about earlier? Well, um, firstly, it was best, it was a it was a course that you could do a year or two years of. Yeah. It was, it was basically, I did the certificate course, which was only a year course. Okay. So I could have gone on and done the higher certificate, and then it would have been a two-year course. Maybe. Yeah. So I chose to just stop it at that because I found that I wanted to make more music and um, I wanted to, I was playing a lot of shows, like a lot of gigs at that point in 2010 with Lua Union and um, BBG Guns. Yeah. Um, but, and a lot of the time I'd play a gig late at night and then I'd have class at eight the next morning and I'd like go to class and I'd be really tired or maybe hung over or whatever and learning about classical music, but for me, I couldn't see the connection anymore you know yeah. what I, mean? I didn't actually yeah. feel like I was learning about the stuff that I wanted to be learning about I, I didn't feel like it was relevant like when I started learning when I went when I went to study I thought it would be relevant I thought I would feel it in my yeah. playing the whole time and I would you know it would make me feel like a better musician but yeah actually it just felt like a lot of theory it felt like a lot of it actually I and mean, then and then when it comes to the practical side of the guitar stuff I was learning yeah like I'm sure some of it is valuable, but at the same time, it felt a little bit to me like it was kind of it, it was damaging my um, creativity in the sense that it was teaching me how to play in a specific way. That's very interesting. Like it was teaching the very specific classical approach, and then yeah. they want you to read music and they want you to do it, and yeah, that's that's a great thing as well. But so you're I had being already, boxed in. Yeah, and I had been playing guitar already at that point for like ten years or something. So I very much ah, could play already, you know. That makes a shitload of sense. Um, as well. I had my my own thing that I did, and exactly. I didn't enjoy being told. And, and um, the dude didn't gel, so like, uh, hey, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, speaking about music, did you was there? Tell me about the briefly about different phases of music that you went through, like stuff you've listened to. Gee, uh, Do you, did you have have a lot a lot of phases? Sort of. I mean, it's kind of, it's more like a continuous, uh, like, learning process, I think. But yeah. yeah, I would say, like, the first big phase that I went through was when I was, like, 12, 13, and I yeah. went through a heavy grunge phase. Okay. I mean, that's, like, when I really got into, when I realized that music is, like, is my thing. You know? Yeah. Um, when I got, re and, like, I mean, I, most of the people in my school and stuff weren't into that. I mean, because this, we're not talking about the 90s here, we're talking about... The early 2000s yeah and it wasn't popular then at all definitely right? um if anything i was like yeah I you were really, an outcast yeah, with regards to like, genre i mean taste. other guys were listening to hip-hop and pop and all kinds of other stuff yeah and i got like really into nirvana and allison chains and oh cool i'm like a that. huge allison chains fan yeah and i really i got really into those bands and soundgarden and Rage nice. Against Machine even and whatever i still listen to a lot of that yeah um and and then i guess in about I think grade eight or nine, mm -hmm. I first heard um, the White Stripes, and mm. then I got really into that. And that, that I saw, I think it was Seven Nation Army yes. on MTV. And then I got really into the White Stripes, and then and then that kind of led to the Strokes, and then I got really into the whole indie thing. Yeah. Um, and I was still I still stayed into the grunge vibe as well, but 
Yeah, then I got kind of went down that road and got into the white stripes of the strokes okay. and um, and then kind of went too far down that road and got into like the vines <laughs> and um, whatever. I listened to the hives, I think, and the, the other hives, day. Yeah, again. All that stuff. <laughs> and then it kind of, I think it, then it took, yeah, it went, and it got a little bit more mature in terms of, I think, when bands like Arcade Fire okay. came out for me, like, they're, in terms of the whole indie thing, they're a bit more interesting. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I guess it sort of developed into more of an old sort of psychedelic approaches came in, you know, stuff like the Black Angels and yes. Black Girl Motorcycle Club. Yeah. It's kind of, for, for me, those bands and shoegaze, like, like more recently, in more recent years, I've gotten very much into shoegaze and dream pop. Because that's also forming part of Dangerfield sound. Yeah, and post-punk yeah. is another thing that became a big thing for me. Because it's kind of like a middle place between all the music I've ever been into. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a lot of atmosphere. Um, it's heavy at times, but it's also dark. But it's also got a beat. Sometimes it's yeah. quite dancey. It's got the indie approach there as well. It's yes. There. Um, but it's also got, got a lot of feeling, you know. It's not just like, it's not happy, really, you know. Yeah. It's not like a quirky little happy sound. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't call it indie at all. But yeah, for, for me, like, yeah, post-punk was in a lot of ways um, one of the founding genres of a lot of the other music that I like. So okay. that's why I kind of, I like to identify with that genre. Okay. That makes sense, rather than yeah, other stuff. Yeah. And and do, do you feel that the different phases of, of that you went through in music in your life was that was that connected in any sense to to like emotional states and stuff? Yeah, I definitely think I definitely think so. Um, I think I, I think that's the case for most people, or yeah. at least that's how I wanted to be. You know, but like, you, I mean, you can't think of an example now, like. If you like, say. Well, yeah, I can. I mean, I, I guess I can think of a more recent example where I'd say sort of towards the end of 2015. Yeah. And I was I was in a relationship that, that I'd been in for like a few years. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like not it wasn't working that well anymore, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I wasn't happy and I felt quite I guess I think both of us weren't very happy and yeah. it was kind of like it was it was getting to that point where it's not really working and yeah. and then I discovered well not discovered but then at some point I heard a song from The Cure I think it was mm-hmm. and suddenly it just made more sense to me than it ever did before you know what I mean I always liked The Cure and everything but suddenly I was like wow this is amazing and then I got really into it and I read more about them and then I and then I heard more about like Joy Division and I listened to them and then I realized whoa I'm actually like the head specimen currently is being it's perfectly represented that. by like really dark sad early 80s music yeah, you know, and, like basically um, and that's when I realized and then I was actually explaining it to someone saying I really like these bands so and so and so and I really want to start a band like this mm. and then they told me oh that's post-punk and I was like oh okay, okay. so that's so there's actually a name for that yeah. I just thought those are cool old bands that I like and then yeah. I understand okay that's what that is it's where are you how you get into all this stuff later I mean The Cure has been around forever yeah, and Joy yeah. Division as well and I mean you know that obviously yeah, yeah. but you, it's it's just weird how it, how it doesn't catch up with you but then like 10 years down the line then you kind of discover this like I had a recent example with uh, ah fuck man I can't even think of the band's name um, ah, it will come to me now now uh, Stereophonics 
yeah. Symphonic. So I, I never really listened to him, but I obviously know about them since high school. Yeah. And recently I just checked, like, fuck, this band is so, so awesome. I was like, where was I the whole time? Yeah, that's cool. Man. Yeah. It's cool when that happens. Um, you, it's totally fine if you don't want to talk about it, but I have to and want to ask you about um, you getting really ill. I was around last year. Um, what, yeah. what exactly was the illness? Well, it's actually still a thing. Like, I have kidney failure. Hectic. And um, it's chronic. Yeah, it's chronic. It started, um, I guess, developing last year and then it, it, it got bad in March this year. And I went to the hospital for a couple of weeks. <coughs> and um, then that's what happened. Yeah, I was like very sick. I almost died. Shit. I, um, they installed a thing in my stomach so I can do dialysis. Um, until I can get a kidney transplant, and that's basically where I'm at now. I'm not. I, that's why I'm not drinking at yeah. the moment. I'm not. W- when is your transplant due? For? Um, it's probably only in like after May next year. Okay. But yeah, I, we're gonna start tests soon and whatever else. Um, yeah. Did you? Did you? Was it? The people at your job, were they like kind of understanding of this? Did you actually get back to your old job? Because I mean, you were out for a couple of weeks, like if I understand it correctly. Yeah, luckily the people that I work for, they were uh, they were really supportive about it. They were That's very cool. awesome. They, they continue to be. Um, I'm still working there. Nice. I, yeah, my job, um, yeah, it's, it's still going pretty well. I'm managing to keep it together. Mm. And um, obviously, I've been a few times where I've been sick where I haven't been able to work for a couple of weeks, but they've I've just taken a lot of sick leave basically, and they understand that like I'll yeah. uh, make up for it one day. You know, like that when is I, super awesome because you yeah. like you hear a lot of stories where the people's just like monsters. They don't, you know, it's you're just another cog in the wheel. You know? Yeah, that's so not the case for my with my job. At that's all. awesome. Um, is there? Usually with, with an ordeal like this, there's stuff that, that you think different about. Um, is there anything for you like that, like li- life paradigms and stuff that you, something that kind of... Uh, look, absolutely, it's been, it's obviously been a very, like, there's been a lot of change that I've had to adapt to, mm. you know, like a lot that I've had to go through this year. Like, I mean, this time last year, I would have been like, pretty wasted already. As one gets at a festival. I used to enjoy partying quite a lot. Yeah. You know, and um, and just generally being very spontaneous. Yeah. You know, um, and not, not, I mean, yeah, like, and now I have to think very carefully about everything. I have yeah. to always plan carefully where I'm going to be so I can do the analysis and stuff. Hectic. I've got to eat very specifically. I've got to, I can't drink at the moment and I can't, obviously can't smoke. So if you eat very specifically, how, that must have been a huge challenge at a festival. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I'm still waiting to see now how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's your first festival. Didn't you guys play Rockin' the Daisies? Yeah, but, but we, um, we played on the, I played with Dangerfields on the Thursday and with Lucy Cougar on the Friday. Okay. But we, I stayed in the Airbnb in between. Oh, cool. So I didn't actually even stay at the festival. Uh, okay. I, didn't, uh, I ate one meal there. Yeah. But like I literally, we played there on Thursday, went back and stayed on the Airbnb in Darling. So you're clapping rock star vibes. <laughs> yeah, like we, didn't, we didn't stay at the festival at all. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm yet to see how that's going to... But I've adapted quite a bit now, it's not that hard anymore. In yeah. the beginning it was, a, it was quite a difficult thing to get used to. And also, 
I mean, it's obviously quite a big mental challenge to get used to the idea that you have a, an illness that you're never going to recover from. Yeah. Uh, and that so your life bad. is definitely going to be shorter than you thought it would be. And, um, yeah, like a, a lot of things that you have to, I have to wrap my head around not yeah. being able to do. I mean, I know that at least when I get a transplant, a lot of things will go like more or less back to normal. Yeah. Um, it, they don't last forever though necessarily like a lot of people have more than one transplant in their lives because it lasts a certain amount of time and then it gets to, um, and also like for it to last you have to take immune suppressants okay um, which which prevents your body from um, from rejecting the kidney mm. but it also suppresses your immune system so you get sick much easier oh, shit. so those, that, that those medications have apparently got side effects as well like they can cause like cause you to let gain a lot of weight and to have sleep problems and all kinds of other stuff so I mean that's the thing I basically have to deal with the fact that I'm never going to be 100% healthy again shit man I'm really sorry to hear that and obviously wishing you all of the best for the path ahead that's okay man like I and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure now I'm pretty sure that uh, I mean you you've went through this so you can not not to say that you're going to go through more but you can handle stuff and you, well that's that's very true that's that's something that i definitely feel like this has done is that it's made me like a lot more resilient than i was you know like in terms of dealing with anything happening really like i feel like the amount of shit that i've gone through this year with this illness mm. makes me feel like i can take on almost anything yeah you know? Which kind of makes me generally more of a relaxed person somehow. Yeah, you know what I mean. You like, look relaxed, I must say. You look, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm um, generally fine. I'm like, I'm, like, if you told me in March that I'd have to come to Endersteers and I wouldn't be able to drink <laughs> and all of that stuff, you'd freak or out. Or that I would even still be sick by this time. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't think it was going to be permanent. Yeah. Um, I would freak out. I mean, yeah. I was freaking out at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went through a lot to get used to. It. Now I'm kind of like so used to it. That it's kind of like whatever you know this is human is, is crazy like that yeah. with adapting to stuff sure, dude. um you guys with with dangerfield brought out two eps interesting thing for me is why two eps and why not albums or, or a full-length album i know you guys said in in some interview i read i know you guys and i also want to ask you about that um that you guys wanted to do a, f- a full-length lp they said so um are you guys actually thinking of doing a full-length lp we do want to do a full-length album. That is kind of that is what we want to do next. It'll probably happen next year sometime, hopefully. Um, but with regard to the the choice for the two EPs, Embers and Ashes. So, for the reason that happened essentially was that the songs that I was busy writing at the time of Embers were were very particular in terms of the vibe and where I was at that time. It was to do with, I guess, I was in a relationship that was kind of. Um, falling, ap- falling apart yeah. and I was writing those songs and they kind of like they for me captured that vibe like quite well they're all like kind of about something that's that's busy kind of still sort of smoldering but it's busy fading out you know what I mean that's for me what Embers was oh, essentially about nice and um, and then, then then we broke up you know there was a whole big thing and then we actually broke up and um, and the transition and the separation. And then it was like, yeah, the transition and the separation, mm-hmm. all of that. And now I had those five songs already for Embers. Um, and suddenly, any, anything else that I started writing at that point, it didn't feel like I could put with the songs from Embers on the same release. You know what I mean? That's very so, interesting. 
so, it's a wise decision because so people, I just, yeah. Yeah, I decided to just, and also like, I mean, another thing is that I guess we we just wanted to put something out there so that we could start gigging and so we could, you know, start building a bit of a fan base. Mm. So, and then we had those songs. I mean, so we went and just, like, we literally played one gig and then we recorded that, that EP. Sure. And then... Where was that first gig? Um, at Manila Bar. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. With Medicine Boy and Bolderberg Motel. Okay. Yeah, I think I checked that show. It was. Uh... Well, you checked that. I think you saw the one because we actually it was actually two gigs. We played that one and then we played Oncast the next day. Yes, 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 yes. I checked that show. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. and then we recorded the next weekend. Okay, so that that wasn't that long ago. That was, that was mm, April last year. Oh, hectic. Okay, sure. Yeah, and then yeah, so then the others, the, the next bunch of songs that we had, basically. Yeah, we had. I mean, there was only there was. I guess there was a couple of songs, one or two that we had already started work on that we didn't record, mm. that ended up on Ashes. Um, Ashes, as I said, that was again. It was kind of like referring. I always saw it as kind of side B of the same thing. Okay. I see them together as like one record. Yeah. Because Ashes is then about like kind of the recovery and the. Well, not the recovery, but kind of. The, the aftermath. The aftermath, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's where shit's completely gone. It's burnt out, and it's, yeah. Um, yeah now you're. And that's why for me, Ashes is darker and it's heavier and it's. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's more of a intense thing with the idea of me for me being that then the, whatever comes after that will be like turning over a new kind of. Um, yeah. I don't want to say new leaf. That's really lame, but like. Um, It'll be a whole new vibe, like yeah. a whole new thing. I just need to get those two, those two things out of my system, and so, then we'll mm-hmm. start developing a whole new thing. Yeah. So you think the with with um, sorry, ashes was the second one, right? Yeah. yeah. So you think with ashes, um, there was a bit of the sadness gone, a little bit. Well, I think it was in, in it, it released a lot of it. Um, oh. In that, in, like I find ashes quite sad and quite dark and quite hectic. Yeah. Even more than 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 embers. Yeah. I okay. Think so. Because that's like when you're kind of like giving up. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, yeah, I check what you mean with. Well, you with, have given up. Yeah, <laughs> with the previous one, you're still coming to terms. You still got the thing. Maybe you know. Maybe maybe yeah, not. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other one okay. is like, okay, yeah, it didn't work. You know? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Visuals is an interesting thing that has been part of of live shows, well, forever, but. Recently, it's, it kind of seemed to me that, that visuals is, is drawing in more and more with with uh, on local level with with sh- with live shows, especially with the psych scene. Um, have you guys played shows with visuals before? Uh, we have, kind of have. Um, like, I mean, the psych night guys—they sometimes with, have visuals at their yeah. show. Yeah. And sometimes Barry uh, puts visuals on at certain events. We haven't had customized visuals for us done yet, but we we do for. We actually did for Endless Days last year, we didn't end up using it, <laughs> but we brought it with this year. Um, so we will use it this year. Nice. Um, but yeah, we, do, it's, we don't always have the opportunity to... It's logistically, it's a, it's quite a huge mission. Yeah, there isn't always like the, the right projector and all of that. Like last yeah. year, the, the, they had a guy doing projector, yeah, with the visuals, mm. but we noticed with... Um, when he was doing it that it, it was like not working that well every now and then you would see like a windows desktop behind the street and it was like yeah, that's not cool at all so we just decided really but then again the, the lighting guy was incredible and he was okay. doing such a good job um which was basically like it looked like visuals and the yeah. lights were amazing so 
so we just went with that rather. You, I checked something that you guys said um, a, a company called Bad Weather. Yeah. Um, is that? Tell me more about that and and how how would you approach a collaboration like that? So Bad Weather, they're a production company. Um, they do stuff like there's a there's a band called Floors that's got like a whole it's got a whole lighting rig as part Sorry, of. Sorry, what's their name? Floors. Floors. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And they've got like this like lighting rig that's part of their live show. Local band. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a bunch bunch of these like LED lights that form and then kind of like they light up and uh, with the music, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So some beats happen and the lights go with the music. Sick. And it's like kind of just like a cool thing, and it's like in a special shape that and they, you know. Yeah. So these guys essentially they approached us when we were going to be playing Rocking the Daisies because they were they were part of Daisies' um, production crew. Yeah to ask if we wanted to do something special for Daisies. We didn't end up doing something there because our slot was at like 5 in the afternoon. So oh, hectic. Like, it wasn't really worth it. But <laughs> Not like, going to make sense. We made the connection with them there. Nice. Um, and then the idea would be that we would at some point do something. Uh, we haven't yet figured out what that is. I mean, we've had a couple of meetings with the guys, mm. but I'd like to, next for next year, when we do, hopefully if we do more festival shows, um, Yeah do something special with these guys like build some kind of contraption to have on stage or whether it's like a big lighting thing or whatever yeah. um, or like I don't know just to, I just wanted to give a like when I was in last year I went to Spain and I and I watched um, Radiohead and Sigurus uh, awesome. <laughs> and um, a lot of really cool bands Beach House and whatever uh, at Primavera and I was just if you, if you watch anything live from Sigurus they always have like amazing stuff happening on stage they've got like yeah. different sort of like a curtain like one of the things they do for example is that they they for some shows they'll have a curtain at the front of the stage which is white and you can only see the band as a silhouette behind the curtain so they've got lights oh, right shit. at the back and then they've got a curtain and you see the shapes of the band members but like wow only in silhouette and they're kind of like flashing with the lights and whatever and there's different angled lights so you see this one big shadow here and one small one here and it looks amazing and then eventually like later like a couple of songs in at, a, at an epic moment they drop the curtain you know what i mean and then awesome. the band comes like shit, shit like that i just like the whole visual wow that's awesome for big shows and um and radiohead also has like these like huge um, stick light things that hang above them you know and screens and stuff and yeah I mean it's not it's not the most important thing I just think it's, it would be cool to play around it's just like another medium yeah another way to kind of be creative yeah know? yeah um, tell me a bit more about like <clears throat> you guys especially with the very wicked you had like a really difficult sound to mix i guess yeah um because there's a lot going on and it's really really huge sounding with a lot of effects and stuff um mm -hmm. so d have you guys had like How's difficulties good? with hey we're just doing an interview but it's <laughs> now are you on interview <laughs> Sorry, guys. no it's cool here. man um have you have you guys had difficulties with sound engineers um, with with Dangerfields in in that regard, like not getting the uh, sound right? Like not really. Not um, really. You think it's a it's an easier sound to to kind of, to mix? I think it's a bit easier. I mean, there's a bit of the same problem in that we also like our guitars really loud. And yeah. Like our amps pointing at the audience because a lot of sound engineers like turning the amp. You know, into the rafters so they can rather mix all the front of the house. Yeah. 
And I don't like that because I like them to feel the actual. I want them to hear my amp speaker as well. Yeah. Um, and I know that that sometimes causes a bit of a. I mean, it annoys some sound engineers. The sound engineers always tell you put your guitar softer on stage. And I yeah. just and I always just say no. Yeah. Um, and but as a result, I mean, the compromise I make is that I don't really need my my guitar in my monitors. Yeah. Much. I just rather push my vocals in the monitor. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, otherwise I don't think they struggle. And, and also we've only got one vocal. Mm. That makes it easier, definitely. So very wicked. Part of the problem was firstly there was two of us that wanted really loud guitars, it was me and Andre. Yeah. And, and second, three, three vocals. vocals. There are three of us that all wanted to hear our vocals and wanted to hear each other. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think the vocals was the most difficult thing um, that made it so hard. Yeah, it's, it's quite a common thing, like sound engineers, like not locally, I mean there's obviously people that does, but most of them don't really research your music, so I don't, yeah. in, in a lot of uh, circumstances it's a sound engineer not really catching the vibe, it's not really... That's a very big problem for me, I mean yeah. we do have that problem with Dangerfields too, in that a lot of the time the sound engineers don't really know what we're going for and they don't even look at us they almost never look at our tech writer i mean we've got one yeah. that explains everything i've also found that that but they don't yeah, look at it they don't i know that they don't look at it because writer, it's, yeah. it doesn't i mean they'll look at it at this festival and at, at yeah. daisies and stuff yeah but like normal club shows they usually they very clearly don't actually yeah. look at it. um <clears throat> for Sorry. <laughs> um, with regards to releasing online and doing uh, actual printing, what, what's what's your viewpoint on that? Um, like, just pros and cons. Well, I really like I really like releasing things physically. Mm. Just because it's really nice to hold something in your hand. It feels real. It feels like you've made this thing that you've now like you've given birth to this like creature that you can actually have her on yeah um, it's like if you just release things online somehow it, I don't know it just feels different mm. but the the financial like basically it's very difficult to release stuff physically now because mm. people don't really pay for stuff they don't really want to buy things mm. that often you know which a lot more exclusive like people that buy stuff are usually now the people that really care about it like people that are more like collected you know it's not just i mean like the average person if they want to listen to a song they'll just they'll just stream it it's not like the old days or whatever where they would buy the cd or they would you know and even now it's more difficult to print cds because all the flipping i mean one-stop cd closed down which was a great place if you didn't have, really have a lot of money to print an album i mean i was part of two projects that did albums there absolutely yeah i mean it's much harder to find i mean even hybrid media is gone exactly you know? that's another one but so, so what we what we did do what we're starting to do now yeah is um there's a company called contour vinyl in Joburg. oh yeah and they're very cool and they're doing um they do short runs of vinyls sick and basically so, what it does is it in a way it really like embraces the concept of like the niche thing and making yeah. it special i mean because it also and also the fact that you don't really make a profit because it costs a it's lot to go shit that expensive to print vinyl and especially doing a short run of vinyl i mean you guys did 30 or something or we did, did yeah we did 30 of yeah. ashes um that's super that you can actually i when i checked that i was like what yeah. how did you guys release so that makes a shit of sense for the company yeah and the thing is um for us, it's, I mean, we didn't really make much money at all. I think we sold them 
for 270 but they cost 210 no, each to make easily um, and obviously not, not that many people are going to spend so much money on vinyls mm. but for us I mean I get the main thing as I said for me is that I just wanted to have it anyway I wanted I wanted to own the vinyl myself so you but, did that vinyl through that contour uh, what's yeah, their name contour vinyl okay I wonder if maybe the tasers also did their stuff I'm going to ask they them did, tomorrow they, yeah. they did it there as well everyone, okay. everyone that's doing these short runs now they're all going through that okay. um, you'll probably hear a few people talk about them this weekend yeah um so with Dangerfields, you guys uh, got some interviews. Oh no, not in well, in overseas interviews as well. But radio play on French, and I think what was the other uh, German radio station? Oh, am I wrong here? <laughs> there was definitely uh, a French yeah, one. Yeah, there was a French one. Yeah, there was I think German one as well. There so how a, how did that happen? How how do you actually get that right? Honestly, I don't actually know where they came upon the stuff. Like I. So you just, guys didn't like pitch or anything? No, we didn't do anything. No. What? Hectic. I the mean, other day, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but the other day I had Rory Skinner on here. He, he's the guitarist for a really extreme uh, death metal band called Never Let's Disrupt, who rehearses at tunes. Um, he's a good friend of mine. And they, they released their EP. And how cool is this? Somebody made them tapes of the EP in Russia. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So it kind of ties in with your story because he wasn't at all involved. Like he, he just saw this shit happening. <laughs> yeah, d- totally. It's a cool. I mean, we had a couple of people contacting us from, um, yeah, like there, there was these guys from the states that also wanted to make um, CDs and tapes and stuff and release it over there. Yeah. Um, but they needed some kind of financial input from us, and we just couldn't do it at the yeah. time. Um, and. Yeah, and people that wanted to include it on their um, their DJ playlists mm-hmm. and stuff, they contacted us asking if they could. So yeah, it was very I, like for me, it's really cool that that bit of extra recognition from other countries, you know, like from people that actually appreciate your music and that they make the effort to actually tell you, you know, like to like because there's probably people out there that hear it that don't tell us. Yep. That's why I always think it important to, when I really, really enjoy the show or a new album from somebody, I would drop a message and just say, like, I don't know if you remember that when you guys released that the last album were very wicked, I still dropped you and Andre, I think, yeah, a message yeah. just said, like, wow, guys, yeah, it's yeah. really super, super awesome. I really do appreciate that. I also do that as well. When bands are like people that I know. Yeah, because I people don't do that. Because yeah, I mean, I'm, lis- I'm listening to this thing, it's in my car, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, like the Sakawa Boys album. I think I messaged every guy in that band. Nice. To say, yes, that, that album. Well, I mean, I listen to it, like, I still listen to it. You know? mm. And I mean, you have the you have the direct line. Actually, know the guys. You can yeah, them, you yeah. play with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, Medicine Boys has gone abroad and and, and traveled and, and did some. They have actually done two Europe tours now, yeah. if I'm correct. So have you guys kind of ever thought about that? I know it's a difficult situation with with like your illness and, and all of that. But have have that been a thought? Is that um, absolutely? It's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, at the moment, obviously, like. It's difficult because of um, the illness yeah. situation, but I do intend to get through that at some yeah. point. You know, like when I have another kidney, and that, that's something I still want to do. Like we definitely th- want to do that. I think you guys should. Yeah, really. Yeah, right um, now, like I mean, we're a bit. Yeah, like that was something we would have hoped to do sooner than we. Yes. Than we probably will be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but good luck, man, and I really hope you guys do it because, like I said, you. You fit for it, and the sound is definitely right. Well, thanks. 
Um, not that you need the right sound to, to do that in any case, but I mean, yeah, it's just so much easier. Um, your dad did one of the EP covers or did he do both? He did both. Oh, he did both. Uh, okay, cool. So how, how did that happen? Like, how... I, like my dad's done a couple of album covers for people in the past as well. He did, he did like a Spring of New Girls thing and a Valiant Swart Oh, nice. Valiant Swart album. And I've just always wanted to do that. You know, it's just something like in all the bands I've been in, I've, it's always been, um, I guess it's, it's the first band that I'm kind of like, I have sort of like quite a lot of, um, of a creative, um, how would I put it? Like, it's sort of more my baby, I think. Yeah, than, creative control. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not, it's not like I, I take control of all yeah. everybody's got a say in what yeah, happens. Yeah. But in this one, it's, it, it, it felt very personal to me specifically because the songs are, I guess, the lyrics are mine and whatever. Yeah, you're the songwriter, yeah. Well, and well, for me, I wanted to sort of maximize on that and I've always wanted to have an album cover done by my dad and other bands I've been in too. Mm. And this time, I guess, I just chose this opportunity to actually do it. And and my dad felt very strongly about about it as well and he really likes the music. Um, okay, so so obviously with a with a father son thing, like did you did you have some input on that? Well, yeah, like so, like I was saying, he he was doing a series called Spookaisa, like yeah. so sort of ghost houses, and it kind of just went with the theme of what we were doing. I don't know, it was like um, I we had an input in that he was he was looking at reference shots and. I really liked the one that he that he found, which is of that guy. He, he's basically he's looking out to the sea, and there's a there's a house burning on a cliff in the background, and he's not doing anything about it. He's just standing there. Wow. You know I mean? He's letting it burn. Um, and for me, it just that went. It, it had, there was like a certain kind of the word like like he's just giving in. You know, he's like letting it happen. Um, but it's burning still. But it's he's you know he's not doing anything to stop it from happening. It's and kind of acceptance. Accepting it, yeah. Like, you know, like, so for me that went with the whole theme of embers and what it was about for me and what it was, you know, it just kind of like made a lot of sense. And then he, um, he said that I, I, he would do it and that I could use it for that cover. So I've got it hanging in my living room, the, the original painting. Awesome. And then, yeah, with, with Ashes, it was just for me because I wanted a continuation of the vibe of the first one um and it's awesome because like how i checked you you and ruben um uh, with your dad like you obviously because of the music and your dad also being an artist you've got a really tight relationship with your dad um yeah. so it's it's cool that yeah just the kind of thought that it played out like in that sense that you could actually have your father designing something that you did you, that you poured a shitload of emotion and creativeness and stuff in yeah Oh. Awesome, man. I so mean, my dad's always obviously very supportive as well. Yeah, he's, he's actually coming through tomorrow, especially for the show. Oh, cool! He I was did to check him as well. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very into it. Like, uh, oh. cool, man. Lucas, do you feel like we've covered everything? I think. I mean, is this everything you wanted to cover? Well, from my side, it is. I'm just checking if you didn't have anything more that you wanted to get off your chest. Um, no, dude. I'm, I'm happy. Cool. <laughs> Ja, oh, good, to, good to see you, man. Awesome, dude. Dat is hij, een interview met Lucas Swart. Een interview met donker, fun en intriguing oomlikke. Vooral baie intriguing oomlikke. 
Uh, wat ek net denk in al die stories van, van, van die avontuur en al die dinge van lang terug. Um, en nou kan julle sommer een bykie van die vibe van Endless Days vang. Daar was een lekker, lekker atmosfeer rondom ons. Mens kan tentpenne oor inslaan, mens kan bykie van die wind oor, mens kan festival gille en gesprekke oor. So dit kan sommer vir julle wat nou nie by Endless Days was, ek kan het sommer vir julle lis maak om volgende jaar jylle kaartjies te koop en seker te maak dat jylle na hierdie awesome festival te kom, Endless Days. Moet het nie mis nie. Right, so, hou jylle oor oop vir die website van Tunes, wat binnenkort gaan live wees. Ek weet nie, dalk is die website al live by die tyd wat jylle na hierdie interview luister. Maar, uh, dankie dat jylle geluister het en hou so aan en vertel een bykie jylle vriende ook van interessante SAA Music Industry gesprekke wat hier plaasvind. Tot de volgende keer jylle. Cheers.